several miles off the main highway, tucked away in a secluded canyon on prime vineyard property, stands a rustic barn that was built many decades before the vines around it were planted. In that barn, a sophisticated broadcast and recording studio has been built. The barn also has a well-hidden root cellar stocked with many of the world's most exceptional wines, only to be shared with guests who secretly come to offer their insights and tell their stories. Guests are sworn to secrecy and are shuttled to the studio aboard a John Deere tractor. Those who cannot make the journey in person are interviewed by satellite hookup, and sometimes the crew simply sneaks away with microphones in hand and interviews guests in barrel rooms, wine cellars, and other magical places. All of this is done like clockwork every single week so that we can bring you another episode of Grape Encounters Radio. Peel me a grape Crush me some ice Skin me a peach Save the fuzz for my pillow Ah, thank goodness. It's time for this week's Grape Encounters, the show where we take you down the wine road that's less traveled. I know, we could uh, talk about tasting notes or even do Wine 101, but the truth is I'd much rather talk about the things that other people are not talking about, stuff that's not on every other wine show and magazine's radar. That's why we're here. Well, it's been a very interesting month here at Grape Encounters. I got a lot of stuff I want to talk to you about. But before I do that, I got to tell you about the wine that I'm drinking right now. I think sometimes you think I'm faking you out when I uh, say that I'm uh, sipping certain wines while I'm doing the show. But the truth is, I always have a glass of wine when I do the show. You know, not a lot of wine, but today's wine is an Albarino from my friend friend Adam Lazar. Adam Lazar has been on the show a number of times. He is a rock star. He walks into the wine bar today and he's got this bottle of Albarino in hand and just hands it to me as a present. Oh my gosh, it is so delicious. I couldn't wait to chill it down and drink it. Look, if you're not drinking Albarino, you're missing out. It's a white wine for those who don't know that. It's such a great wine. Absolutely delicious. If you can get your hands on a bottle of Adam's wine, really should do that. Adam is a, as I said, rock star winemaker. He has been behind some of the greatest wines that have ever been made, and he now is the lead winemaker for the Wine Hooligans, and they're making a bunch of different brands. Albarino and Adam Lazar, two things that you should remember. It's been a very interesting month for me. You know, last week we had the folks on from Wente Vineyards. You know, there were some things I didn't get a chance to talk about on that show because we only have an hour. But after we recorded the show, I was escorted around the property and got to go out to the Wente Gardens. It's just amazing. They have created this most incredible garden that grows vegetables and herbs and all kinds of things for the restaurants that they have there on the property. And it's so organic. It's absolutely unbelievable. Got some pictures that I've posted on the website. You can check it out there. I do encourage you to check out the Wente Wines because they're a great buy. They make a lot of wine. So anyway, uh, that was fun last week. A couple of weeks before, I was at the San Joaquin Valley Vintners Wine Competition. The San Joaquin Valley is an interesting place. You've heard me talk about winemakers out there like Cardella Winery. The thing I really want to say about the area is it's best known for 
growing bulk grapes that go into really big brands like Barefoot Wines and a lot of the Gallo Wines. You know, so it's not really an area that's known for creating really high-end wines. I do judge a lot of really uh, terrific competitions that get wines from all over the world. And so... I didn't have necessarily the highest expectations when I judged this competition. I was really surprised by the quality. In fact, the truth is, in the big competitions, the proportion of stinker wines versus good wines is probably higher than what I had out there. It's surprising to me because I didn't expect that. And I know that some of the wines that were there came from other parts of the country. I also know that the lion's share of wines that we tasted were from the valley. You know, it's a place to watch, folks, the San Joaquin Valley. It's uh, also known as the Central Valley of California. And it's huge. They grow a tremendous amount of grapes out there. Keep your eyes on it because I think you're going to see in the next few years some really premium wines coming out of an area that's really known for growing bulk wines. And by the way, the, the reason they're known for growing bulk wines is because it's so hot out there all the time that the grapes just grow and grow and grow. And so when you take a place like Napa and Sonoma or Bordeaux or Paso Robles, it's pretty typical to get maybe three to five tons of grapes per acre. In the San Joaquin Valley, because of the heat, the production is actually more like 20 to 30 tons per acre. And so quantity usually sacrifices quality, but truth is they know what they're doing out there and they've found ways to grow some really great grapes. Now, the other thing that I uh, did this month that really was something I never imagined is I went out to a place called Peak Ranch in the Santa Ynez Valley of Santa Barbara County. What's special about Peak Ranch, P-E-A-K-E, is that it's owned by my oldest friend. Not the oldest in terms of chronological age, but oldest in terms of being the person that I have known the longest in my life. His name is John Wagner. I never imagined in a million years that I would ever be doing at least something parallel to what John is doing. He was the smartest guy I knew in school, copied off his papers at least twice. I know that. He got into the world of finance and started a hedge fund. And that's really what he does. But he made a bunch of money and he invested it in vineyards and then uh, is now building this Peak Ranch Vineyard. John's going to be on the phone with me in the next segment. Before we uh, break to the next segment, though, I want to talk about something that's come up in a lot of conversations lately, the price of wine and what you should pay whether it's in a bottle or in a glass. How much markup is there actually in a bottle or glass of wine? Most of you know I run a wine shop. I really didn't get into the wine shop and tasting room business for any other reason than I wanted to have a place for you all to come. And lots of you come from all over the country. In fact, uh, some from other countries and visit with me. And I really appreciate that because I know the ropes. I'm willing to tell all and I'm not embarrassed to discuss markups. Well, anyway, I'll tell you this. I am a maverick and a rule breaker. I don't care about what everybody else does. And my philosophy is really simple. I taste a wine and then I ask myself, what's it worth to me? And what would the average consumer pay? What's interesting about that is that frankly and surprisingly, I'm usually in line with other other retailers because wine prices, in my opinion, are driven by quality. And I think most producers have that in mind when they price their wines because there's so much 
competition out there, they have to be realistic about what they charge. So when it comes down to it, price of wine, in my opinion, should be predicated on one and only one thing, and that's how much enjoyment you get out of it. But I thought it might be helpful for you to know how many times the price of a wine is stepped on from the time that it goes into the bottle. And so to see what a worst case scenario might look like, we probably should start with an inexpensive but decent bottle of wine from Europe. It could be Italy, France, Spain, pick a country. Anyway, let's suppose the wine producer sells it to an importer for 15 bucks. He has to do that because in most cases, the laws in the country of origin and the U.S. require the producer to utilize an importer's services. So the importer tacks three bucks onto each bottle, and that covers the cost of getting the shipment to the U.S. Plus, they tack on another $4 per bottle, and that's the importer's modest profit. I think it's very reasonable. The laws here in the U.S. require that the wine be delivered to another intermediary, and that's the distributor, who will purchase the wine at this point for $22. Now, distributors buy in big quantities, huge quantities, so they're taking all the risk, and accordingly, they make a good chunk of change, close to 30, even 35%. Let's take $22 plus 30%, and that equals $28.60 for our bottle. And that's the wholesale price that, let's say, a restaurant is going to be charged. So here's the rule of thumb in a restaurant. You're not going to like this. The first pour by the glass is supposed to pay the wholesale cost of the bottle. And that means in wine-centric metro areas, $28.60 a glass is going to be pretty common. It's not always that much, but it's not unusual. Anyway, let's presume the restaurant is generous and they only charge 22 bucks. So there are five glasses of wine in, in a bottle. And let's suppose you and your party weren't planning on drinking a whole bottle. But nevertheless, you collectively consumed all five of those glasses or even more. That means if that bottle was sold by the glass entirely, the restaurant's going to make 110 bucks. Now remember, we started at $15. So to put things in perspective, 110 is 7.33 times that European winemaker's cost. And so if you apply that same markup scenario to something like the purchase of an economical import car with a wholesale price of $25,000, you'd be paying, get this, $183,250, which would get you a pretty nice Lamborghini. Anyway, just thought you'd like to know, that is how wine is priced. Now, is it fair? Well, if you ever spend time with a winemaker and see just how much work goes into it, and if you ever get to know an importer or, or wholesaler and see what they have to do, it's probably pretty reasonable. But in the end, it all boils down to... Is it worth it for you? All right, we're going to be back with more Grape Encounters in just a second. And my guest, my oldest friend, John Wagner of Peak Ranch on the central coast of California. When we return with Grape Encounters Radio, don't go anyplace. Remember, as much as you may love wine, it is not the answer to your problems. Unless the problem is you're out of wine. Your Grape Encounter with David Wilson will continue right after these important messages. You don't have a problem with that, do you? Hi, it's David Wilson. And if you're a frequent listener, you know that I constantly tell you the importance of aerating most wines. If you don't, you're simply not tasting your wine in all of its glory. Well, there's a remarkable new wine aeration product out that's beautiful, mesmerizing, and destined to revolutionize conventional decanting. It's the V-Spin, a gorgeous decanter that sits on a simple stand. 
But inside that stand is some very innovative magnetic technology, which enables the wine in the decanter to swirl silently, creating a vortex that exposes the wine to the perfect amount of air in just a few minutes, accomplishing what otherwise could take hours. And you can adjust the speed and time to perfectly suit the wine varietal. I've put the V-Spin through rigorous testing, and the results were consistently stunning. And you can now buy it on Amazon. Learn more at vspin.us. That's V as in vino, spin.us. I want to tell you about one of my absolute favorite treats in the world. I take a piece of triple cream brie cheese, put a few very special 100% organic heirloom walnuts on top, and then drizzle a little honey on it to make this a purely irresistible morsel of deliciousness. Then I pour myself a small serving of decadent port-style wine to create the perfect complement. That's just one example of how I pamper myself with products from MM Organics in Paso Robles, California. Now, you're on your own with the honey and brie, but the walnuts and port-style dessert wine can be ordered online at mmorganics.com. They've also got lots of other delicious walnut products available, including their peerless sprouted walnuts in lots of decadent flavors, organic gluten-free walnut flour, raw organic walnut butter, estate organic walnut oil, and fair trade dark chocolate covered walnuts. MM Organics products are among the best in the world. Get your ship right away at mmorganics.com. There are tens of thousands of wines and even more stories about them. Here's a wine story selected just for you by your personal wine captain, David Wilson. Back with Grape Encounters Radio, and I cannot believe that I'm actually having this conversation on the radio. I never would have expected when I was like, what is it, seven years old, something like that, I would be at the age I'm at. No, don't ask, because I'm not going to tell you. But I would be at the age I'm at, and that my first male friend in the world, John Wagner, would be on the radio with me talking about wine. You know, we talked about it in the first segment. John was my friend in first grade. I've known him for my entire life. You know, he went off to be a big time hedge fund manager, administrator, whatever they call them, a finance guy, you know, and I went off to do what I do. I thought, you know what, this is the one thing the one thing in my life that I could maybe do better than John Wagner because he was so good at every freaking thing that he did in his life. He was the smart kid in school. But guess what? Some decades later, I find out John has not only bought vineyard property, but created one of the most beautiful, amazing, astonishing wineries. And frankly, John Wagner, thank you for being on the show. I couldn't be prouder of you, honestly. Welcome. Thank you very much, David. And uh, I think we might have been a little generous with the facts. I don't think I was quite that cool, nor is it that cool today. But we're having a great time, and it's a real treat to be on the radio today. Well, first of all, John, I never said you were cool, okay? That's that's not what I said. I said you were smart. And I, you know... and I feel like God is punishing me in some way because, you know... There, there, was, there, there was, were those, was no really good-looking reference there? No, no, no. It's just that there were those two times I copied off your paper. And I did. And I admit it. How many times have I told you this in life, you know? <laughs> I I copied off your paper because in our massive school that we went to together with, you know, this huge student body of, what, 32? (laughs) You you were the smartest. 
four people on our grade. Yeah, there were, there was nobody smarter than you. But the thing is, is that it could have been 3,200. John, you're, you are like this crazy smart guy. And, you know, I remember, I don't know how many years ago it was, but it had to be, you know, like a ton of years ago. And I said, what are you doing, John? And you said, oh, I'm out at Los Alamos, New Mexico, accelerating particles through a tunnel. Yes. We'd speed the little guys up to about the speed of light and run it into something. And we had a little mason jar and we'd collect the pieces and count them. So why did you and your family spend so much money to put you through that kind of education? And then you went into finances and hedge funds and that sort of thing. And now, you know, you're into the wine business. Well, I did... After nine years in studying physics, first of all, I'd like to say that the federal government was very generous and actually supported <laughs> me the whole time. So thank you very much, Department well, of uh, Energy. Well, thank you, because I didn't get that. <laughs> but go ahead. But, but, but after that, I decided I'd take some of my math, acquired math skills and turn them to the stock market. So I found a job building computer programs to try to beat the stock market. A couple of years later, some investors asked me to leave and start a fund. And to this day, I own an investment company that uses math and algorithms to figure out ways to get advantages in the stock market. Happily, that's worked out. It left me with some spare change so that I could pursue, let's say, higher and more noble pursuits such as creating a wine that my good friend David Wilson was willing to, to talk about. And so here we are today, fulfillment of a lifelong dream. <laughs> so so at, at what point did you actually sit there at your desk and say, oh my God, I've got to call my good friend from first grade, David Wilson, and get him in on this action so that he doesn't have to spend the rest of his life, you know, pimping wine on the radio? <laughs> <laughs> John, you never called. Come on, man. <laughs> Sorry about that, but David, you're such a stunning star. I'm not exactly sure the planet could have handled you being fantastically wealthy to go with your looks, charm, and silver I just top. want to know one thing. Did did you call Becky Blanchard? Because if you did, I'm going to be so ticked off. She was my first kiss, but she will never admit that. I'm going to, I'm going to probably get sued for that, by the way. But anyway, did you? You know, Becky wouldn't take my phone call. She wouldn't. Yeah, you know, she's still pining after you, Dave. She said, oh, you know, it's the biggest mistake of my life. I, know <laughs> I kissed and ran. It turns out the cosmos is not a just place. I'm going to ask you two really complicated questions, okay? First of all, what was it in your study of physics that translated into becoming a hedge fund manager? All has to... I can tell you a really boring story, but it has very much just to do with things moving randomly, this random movement of things and mean reversion, and it's really boring, and that's why I didn't get my first date till I was 30, is people try to answer that. Wait, wait, wait. You didn't get your first date till you were 30? Right. And you've been happily married for? 29 years. Holy smoke. <laughs> well, you know what? If you're going to do it, if you're going to do it, you got to do it right. Well, you know, and you know, frankly, between you and me, there were some immigration issues there, and she needed a green card. So. <laughs> <laughs> you just said that on national radio about your wife? Oh, my God. I've met your no. wife. She She's an awesome person, dude. <laughs> 
Yes, I'm going to be flayed for that. So. Well, make sure. <laughs> maybe sure, maybe that sure. should hit the editor. I, I would really suggest that the the day that the show airs, that you take her out for a day, dude. <laughs> she puts up with a lot with you, though, right? No kidding. Just, uh, hopefully, she never hires an immigration attorney, and she figures <laughs> out that she's actually now a I think it's probably U.S. Okay. citizen. Okay. All right. So, so the question number two. This is a good question. Okay. Yes. So, guy studies physics becomes, did you get a PhD, PhD. in physics? I did not. I, I left just before that. But you become this, you know, important character in physics, and then you start a hedge fund, and that's cool, and I get that. But then you get interested in wine. You know, you're doing everything right. And I really mean that sincerely from the heart. I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm proud you're my friend. I never liked you before, but now I really like you a lot. <laughs> Yeah, it was the story of all hedge fund guys. They never had any friends so they had money. Then all of a sudden they can yeah, buy. No, it. no, no, no. It's not that you have money. It's that you have wine. Come on, John. Yes. Well, well, it's so, fungible. So, so, so <laughs> One many. One begets the other. All right, but this is really serious. Okay, so many people go from you know being captains of industry into the wine business and you know frankly they have no business being in the business because it's not what they do and you came into the business and i am like so flipping proud of you and, and you know what don't answer the question because there was no question okay but there will be a question in just a second so just please hang on for a second and we'll be back in just a moment with my friend john wagner my oldest friend in the world who's making the best flipping wines i have ever tasted even Pinot's, and God knows how much I hate Pinot. And I love his Pinot. John, will you stay with me? Sure. We'll be back with more Grape Encounters right after this. good story about wine deserves to be bottled up. Committed to uncorking a new wine story every day is your host, David Wilson, right after this. For nearly four years, I've taken many opportunities to tell you about the place that Grape Encounters Radio calls home, Atascadero located right in the heart of the spectacular California Central Coast wine country, which offers a lot more to see and do than simply enjoying the world-class wines we produce here. Atascadero is a town where people are remarkably friendly, food and accommodation prices are far lower than in other wine countries, and every activity imaginable can be found just minutes away in any direction, including world-class wineries, ocean sports, and breathtaking beaches, cycling, equestrian activities, sightseeing, hiking, hot springs, farm-to-table cuisine, cider houses, concert venues, shopping, and so much more. I've had countless visits from around the country by listeners at the Grape Encounters Emporium Wine Bar in Atascadero's historic colony district. I hope you'll be next. For more information, log on to visitatascadero.com. Hi, it's David Wilson. And if you're a frequent listener, you know that I constantly tell you the importance of aerating most wines. If you don't, you're simply not tasting your wine in all of its glory. Well, there's a remarkable new wine aeration product out that's beautiful, mesmerizing, and destined to revolutionize conventional decanting. It's the V-Spin, a gorgeous decanter that sits on a simple stand. 
But inside that stand is some very innovative magnetic technology, which enables the wine in the decanter to swirl silently, creating a vortex that exposes the wine to the perfect amount of air in just a few minutes, accomplishing what otherwise could take hours. And you can adjust the speed and time to perfectly suit the wine varietal. I've put the V-Spin through rigorous testing, and the results were consistently stunning. And you can now buy it on Amazon. Learn more at vspin.us. That's V as in vino, spin.us. Connecting winemakers, wine lovers, wine adventures, and all things wine from around the globe. You are listening to Grape Encounters Radio with David Wilson, broadcasting from our wine cellar studio in idyllic Atascadero, centrally located in the Central Coast wine country of San Luis Obispo County, California. Back with Grape Encounters Radio, I'm on the line with John Wagner. John Wagner has created something very special. I was out there this weekend. I was so blown away. This guy is making wines that are world class. I'm telling you, if you get a chance to get your hands on a bottle of Peak Ranch, it's P-E-A-K-E, Ranch. He's doing it right. And what's really interesting is, uh, John, you bought the original property, or at least a chunk of it, that was owned by Richard Sanford. Yes, I did. Richard's original tasting room was on the property, and he made wine there for many years before moving down the road to the Sanford and Benedict site. Certainly, we've been blessed to have that kind of heritage. It's kind of exciting that so many, you know, such a talented person made wine there. And so certainly when we started this whole thing, one of the real considerations was we had to do an incredibly good job if for no other reason than just to live up to the reputation of the site. He is so revered by so many people. You know, for people who are outside of California, you have to understand, you know, this is the property that was featured in a great deal in the movie Sideways, which has become the most important underground movie about wine of all time. A couple of days ago, I was walking on that property and there was the original tasting room. It's become legendary, not just because of the movie Sideways, not because of the novel by Rex Pickett, but because Richard Sanford took a gamble that few men would take. The expectation is that you better be up to the Richard standard of making great Pinots and other wines. You know, I think Joe and I, when we entered the project, we were pretty committed to doing as good a possible job as we could. I think you and I grew up in Southern California, and we felt a tremendous, let's say, loyalty to the neighborhood. You know, in the wine business, you know better than I do, but there's always this sort of commitment to place. And when we started on this endeavor, you know, Southern California, we, we grew up in Ventura County, but, you know, the sagebrush covered hills and the oak trees and the marine, the wind off the ocean was part of our lives growing up. And, you know, when I got into this, there was part of me that really thought to myself, Southern California is sort of beautiful in its own way. People like Richard Sanford had said that you could make spectacular world-class wines in Southern California and Burgundy wines. And so when we got into this, there was this real sense that we wanted to do a project that would be reflective of the sort of indigenous beauty of your and my childhood, that sort of thing. And it's 
different. It's not better or worse, but it's just different than the Adirondacks or a Hawaiian coast. But it is something that's dear to us because it's part of us. And we wanted to make a wine that was beautiful in that sense, too. That's something that we knew that you could take any place in the world and people would drink it and say, that's special. That's of something that's really extraordinary and we've tried very hard we've been lucky we have some really wonderful people working in the area before us and we've been able to work with some super talented people in the process and it's actually blowing smoke back at you buddy but it's kind of cool to be on the radio talking to a friend of mine that's willing to let the world know about it because nothing would make us happier than to know that there's somebody in other parts of the United States or other parts of the world opening a bottle and just having a great evening knowing that everything we put in that bottle came out and made a special event for somebody or a special time and so that's where we're at. I'm speaking to literally my oldest friend in the world. John Wagner is the founder of Peak Ranch, and they are in the uh, Santa Rita Hills of the Santa Ynez Valley of the Central Coast of California. This is really a remarkable property. The history behind it is just amazing. And and in fact, uh, John, you were telling me this weekend that the ranch was the birth of the quarter horse. Is that right? Yes. As a matter of fact, that's where we draw the name. But Channing Peak was a successful California artist and also a cowboy. And he, with some other people, banded together and created the American quarter horse breed. And one of the founding studs was Driftwood, who lived on the ranch. And another piece of, say, California history that's special to us and something that we're mindful that we want to do. So tell me, before you you bought the property, was that intentional or they were just investments? What was your, you know, was it passive? Was it something you really wanted to be into? No substitute for luck in life. Someone I knew in the investment world's father grew grapes in San Ynez and had a wine label. And he told me that at the time, vineyard prices were at an all-time low and that you could buy them for about what they were worth as strawberry land. And so you basically got the trellises and the vines for free. And so I went up in Santa Maria and saw this ranch in Santa Maria called Sierra Madre. You did some research and Mondavi was selling it and they said that they would lease it back, you know, they'd buy the grapes back from me um, and if the price of grapes went up, they'd even bump the price. And I said, that sounds like a good deal. So I bought the ranch. And to your point about Sideways, three months later, the movie Sideways came out and the next year, Pinot prices doubled and the ranch ranch had 100 acres of Pinot on it. And so I thought I was an investing genius. I knew that was all going to happen. You're so lucky. What in the world? You bought the vineyard. I bought the farm. (laughs) So crazy. John, you know, you and I, until recently, never have sat down and enjoyed a bottle of wine together. We're never old enough (laughs) for most of our our friendship. Were you a wine guy? I had started enjoying it. One of the sort of ancillary benefits to working in the finance world is you get to go to nice restaurants and every once in a while there's an okay bottle of wine in that nice restaurant. One of them would end up on my table and so I did come to enjoy it but once I had the ranch, once it actually started doing well for me, I got sucked in. It's a fantastic business. You know that far better than I do. But What's the best bottle of wine that was ever placed on a table that you were at? That's easy actually. It was at a friend's birthday party in Kinsale Ireland. It was in 1959. Lafitte Rothschild that a friend's dad had bought to 
bought to celebrate his birthday. He'd been born in 1959, and he opened that, and I had it with a piece of salmon that had been simply grilled, and it was magic. And maybe that's what I'm looking to recreate in the Santa Rita Hills, even though we don't grow Bordeaux blends. But it's- I don't know if this will one-up you, but um, when I uh, visited last uh, year, Michael Madavi brings me out a 1957 from um, California. You know, it's nothing like uh, like a Rothschild, but it was handed to me by Michael Madavi. So, you know. Well, and, and, and maybe this is my point, too, that I don't think that, I mean, the, the Rothschild sounds like a great story, but yeah. that Mondavi bottle, maybe if we'd been sitting around, would be be much, much better. I Part of my crusade is, I think, our childhoods and, you know, are the sort of our growing up and our place can create beauty to rival anybody's beauty. You know, I think that when we were kids, we kind of complained about growing up in the country and having to work a little harder and not having all the, the fun stuff that kids in the city had. But I think that the respect for the land really stuck with both of us. Yes, and you know our love of our place and our childhoods, and you know, and now our desire, and certainly part of your show, right, is to introduce people to great wines and enhance our lives. And you know, wine something that's just absolutely fantastic. It makes the best events in your life that little bit better. Yeah, no, no, no doubt. I want to tell listeners that we're going to go out to Peak Ranch. I can't even begin to tell you how amazing my experience was last weekend. John, I'm so proud of you for what you've done. You've, you know, you've created this this wonderful tribute to the land and to what this land is capable of producing. You and I horse around and have for you know, more years than I'm going to say on this radio show, you know, this is one place where we really come together on because you have done me proud and I'm really, really proud of you. And I want, I want to tell you that because I, I, you know, I've had all your wines. Each one was better than the next and it doesn't matter which order you drink them in. And, uh, you you know, thanks for doing, thanks for doing that because, you know, a lot of people come in with money, they buy wineries and then they just screw it up. And uh, I'm so, I'm so glad you're not one of those people. Well, uh, and I will say those three bottles we had, what made them really special for me was the fine company. It was a great afternoon. All right. We're going to be back in just a second with more Grape Encounters. So, so incredibly honored to have my oldest friend. And I really mean that my oldest friend who circled back and we came together in wine. That's what wine does. Uh, on John Wagner. Check him out. It's uh, Peak Ranch. John, a website? PeakRanch.com. P-E-A-K-E-R-A-N-C-H. All one word. We'd be love to have you on the website. Go on the website. You can buy wines there, right? By allocation only, but if, send us an email. Mention that we met on the radio, and we will make sure you get some wine. Okay. We'd love to have you as part of our family. Okay, sounds good. And uh, We're going to come out there. We're going to do a, a full show out there. By golly, we're going to do some events out there as well with our Grape Encounters listeners, so stay tuned for that. John, I know you've got to catch a plane. You're going to go, what? You're going to go skiing? I hate you, <laughs> you dog. Okay, I've got to I've got to continue on the radio. John's going skiing. Bye, John. There's John down Bye. the slopes. Watch out for that tree, John. Okay. All right, we'll talk to you later. We'll be back with more Grape Encounters after this. The best way to avoid spitting wine is to avoid wines unworthy of being swallowed. David will be right back in a spit second. Oops, my bad. Make that split second.
I want to tell you about one of my absolute favorite treats in the world. I take a piece of triple cream brie cheese, put a few very special 100% organic heirloom walnuts on top, and then drizzle a little honey on it to make this a purely irresistible morsel of deliciousness. Then, I pour myself a small serving of decadent port-style wine to create the perfect complement. That's just one example of how I pamper myself with products from MM Organics in Paso Robles, California. Now, you're on your own with the honey and brie, but the walnuts and port-style dessert wine can be ordered online at mmorganics.com. They've also got lots of other delicious walnut products available, including their peerless sprouted walnuts in lots of decadent flavors, organic gluten-free walnut flour, raw organic walnut butter, estate organic walnut oil, and fair trade dark chocolate covered walnuts. MM Organics products are among the best in the world. Get yours shipped right away at mmorganics.com. For nearly four years, I've taken many opportunities to tell you about the place that Grape Encounters Radio calls home, Atascadero, located right in the heart of the spectacular California Central Coast wine country, which offers a lot more to see and do than simply enjoying the world-class wines we produce here. Atascadero is a town where people are remarkably friendly, food and accommodation prices are far lower than in other wine countries, and every activity imaginable can be found just minutes away in any direction, including world-class wineries, ocean sports, and breathtaking beaches, cycling, equestrian activities, sightseeing, hiking, hot springs, farm-to-table cuisine, cider houses, concert venues, shopping, and so much more. I've had countless visits from around the country by listeners at the Grape Encounters Emporium Wine Bar in Atascadero's historic colony district. I hope you'll be next. For more information, log on to visitatascadero.com. Today's edition of Grape Encounters is brought to you by the absolutely remarkable V-Spin Aerating Decanter. Easily one of the most captivating, innovative, and effective wine accessories of all time. This is a must-have product for any true wine enthusiast and winner of the 2018 German Design Award. It's a mind-blowing wine aeration device that creates a silent vortex inside a gorgeous crystal decanter that achieves incomparable and fully adjustable aeration in just a few minutes. Amazing to watch and amazing in the way it perfects the taste of any wine. Please take a moment to see the V-Spin in action at either v-spin.us or click the link at the top of the page at grapeencounters.com. Connecting winemakers, wine lovers, wine adventures, and all things wine from around the globe. You are listening to Grape Encounters Radio with David Wilson. And we are back with Grape Encounters Radio. And now we're going to do something that we have never done before. We are starting this week going to be taking listener calls. And I am so pleased to have on somebody who is one of the many that have written us questions. But I love his question. I thought this is the best question to start out with. His name is Mark McGathan, and he is in Emporia, Kansas. Mark, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Glad to have you here, too. And before we actually get to your question, you don't listen online. You listen on the air. We get to hear you on KVOE at roughly midnight, (laughs) Saturday morning, Friday night, Saturday morning for one hour until Saturday at 1 a.m. That's when we get the show. I appreciate you listening. You're sort of semi-retired or retired. I am retired 
from the university. We just got the show probably, oh, maybe a month or two ago when they started airing it on the radio station. And I really like it. Well, thank you very much. I uh, chose you to be the first listener that we talked to is the fact that you don't have a computer. As I understand it, you went to the library. Correct. Correct. <laughs> I appreciate that. That's a lot of effort, man. Thank you, Mark. No, I just when you retire, sometimes you need to trim your bills and expenses a little bit, and that's just one of the things I never never had in the house as a computer. I just never felt the need for it. Let the dadgum library pay for it. I love it. Okay. Uh, someday, someday I may get one. Someday I may, but right now I'm busy with other things. So, Do you want me to read your question, or do you want to just ask it? I think I'll just ask it again because it's okay, go ahead. back in my memory. Okay, here in Kansas, we have a very limited selection of wine because the legislature in, in uh, Topeka, they kind of dictate what the liquor laws are. Here, wine is considered a liquor, even though I can go into any other state and buy it in any grocery store because they consider it a produce item. But here in Backwoods, they just seem to feel like it's a sin or something. And a lot of the products that we get, is like would be the Franzia box wines, the Peter Vela box wines, some of the Almaden box wines. And, of course, we get various bottles, like we can get the Barefoot, which you rate very highly. And oh, and a few other very common products that are all over the country. We don't get any of the really neat things that you talk about on your show every week. We can get the Boda box and the Black box. Some of the stores will have that, but, of course, they don't carry all the different flavors and the varietals that are, that are available. And so my question to you is concerning the, the common table wines, the Franzia, Peter Vela, the Almaden, what, what is your take on that? That's a toughy question, and it really boils okay. down to a very simple answer. If you like it, drink it. It's uh, okay. It doesn't matter what I feel about it. If you enjoy it, drink it. The Franzia company is not just responsible for the Franzia wines. They have a gazillion different brands under their umbrella. And so they make a lot of different wines at a lot of different levels. And then they also represent a lot of wines at a lot of different levels as well. And, um, you know, some of the other, uh, you know, companies that, you know, like Gallo, who I'm, I'm sure you get Gallo wines there. And, yeah. you know, that, that it's a very good company. And, you know, Barefoot Wine is owned by Gallo. It's not that I'm a fan of Barefoot. I'm in awe of the fact that they can make millions of bottles of wine and make them taste pretty good. And, yeah. and that's and that's quite a feat. Now, but let's get into the states for a second. Every state makes up its own rules. We've seen a lot of changes in most of the states that had very prohibitive laws. They're changing those laws now. They're making it easier for winemakers to come in with their products. Why is it that you only see these big brands in states like yours? Well, part of the explanation can be it's because it costs a lot to get the permitting to get the wines in there. Or there are people in high places that actually say, you're in, you're out, you're in, you're in, you're out, you're out, you're in, you're in. And and it's very subjective. To my way of thinking, there's a lot of corruption still going on in certain states in the wine business. (laughs) And there's an organization, uh, you know, you should go to their uh, website. I believe it's freethegrapes.com. And they're working to get laws in place where there are universal rules throughout the United States so that everybody's playing on a level playing field. The really sad part about this is all over America, where we have just a small handful of states that are really making it miserable for people who want to drink.
drink the most historic and most beautiful beverage in the history of mankind, they have to drive across state lines and smuggle yeah. it in like they're, like they're criminals. Well, you know, at the same time, you can go to church and drink it for communion and nobody's going to complain, right. right? In fact, that was the only alcoholic beverage that anybody could drink during Prohibition. So does that help you? It does. I've gone to some of the website, as you talked about, and they'll have a list of states that they are not allowed to deliver to. And it's really surprising how many of them have Kansas. You know, it's, I even tried one time ordering and I just put the zip code in or whatever and said, oops, oops, sorry, can't do that. All right, tell you what, we're, we're, we're going to find out what's the deal with Kansas and why is it that Kansas is so persnickety where it comes to wine when the neighboring state, Missouri, oh, is, making, yep. is making all kinds of wine and, you know, it's a big part of their economy. Stupid. And people in Kansas City will drive over to Kansas City, Missouri and load up and bring it back. I know they do. God bless them. They do. They, they're not going to play the game, but where I live, you know, it's a road trip. Go over and donate five bucks to free the grapes. Everybody else do that as well. If you're in an oppressive yeah. state that doesn't allow you to have, you know, wine, which is just a really dumb, stupid thing. But, it just, you know, it doesn't make any sense. And, it, you know, if there's a good reason for it, then they can call me. It's easy to get a hold of me. Just uh, Google GrapeEncounters.com. Send me a note and I'll put you on the air if you have an opposing opinion. How's that? That would be good. In the meantime, we're going to find out what the deal is with Kansas. And, Mark, I'm going to get back to you. We're going to solve this for you. Very good. All right, man. That would be good. Hey, thanks a lot, Mark. I appreciate the letter, and I appreciate the call. The rule doesn't make sense, and these rules have to change. That's it. I'm, I'm all fired up now, and now I'm getting off the air. <laughs> oh, God. All Thank right. you very much. All right, that's going to do I it. I appreciate it. That's going to do it for Grape Encounters today, and we'll be back here next week. Hey, maybe we'll have an answer for Mark next week. And uh, in the meantime, you know, drink the good stuff. If you can't get it in uh, Kansas, <laughs> drive to Missouri. We'll see you next week. Thank you. You never know what part of the country or the world the Grape Encounters microphones will take you to. Don't miss a single experience. Your Grape Encounter isn't over. We're just taking a breather until next week's edition.